Hi, everyone. Dr. B here again of AskTheDentist.com. Today, we're meeting again with David Lin. We've spoken to him before. I always get excited because he is the go-to guy for oral microbiome. As a clinician, I always have a lot of a lot of questions. Oral microbiome is expanding. We're learning more about it, partly because our testing is getting better. David's the co-founder and chief scientific officer at Bristol, if you may remember. He has a PhD in microbiology, immunology, 10 years of molecular biology, microbiology genomics, synthetic biology experience across academia, public health, and the entire industry. I think he started out with his first passion was the gut microbiome. Now he's on the front end of it, the oral microbiome. He has extensive background in infectious disease and genomics, which is where we go with testing. And I think you have 11 peer-reviewed publications. Is that right? Six of them, you were first author, right? Might be twelve now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's around uh, there. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look those up. I may have read a few, but I'd love to put them on our website with a little explanatory paragraph summary for those who want to get real nerdy. But today we're going to talk. We've we've talked about the oral microbiome. We've done a CE course together for providers like myself. We need a lot of instruction on the oral microbiome. It's that exciting. It's a game changer. It's going to change how we practice dentistry and how we look at oral health and disease in the mouth, even disease in the rest of the body because it's all connected. But today we're going to try and be very narrow. We're going to talk about pro and prebiotics. There are a lot of questions there. I get them from dentists, from all the functional providers that I work with. And of course, from followers on Instagram and readers, it's it's confusing to people. So we're going to define pro and prebiotics. Let's first talk about the whole weed seed and feed concept. I think people need to understand that this oral microbiome, like the gut microbiome, is like a garden. And gardens are very complicated. They vary based on time of year, pH of the soil, acidity, pests, bugs, angle of the sun, shade, sun. I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's complicated. So explain that whole weed, feed, and seed thing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's exactly like you said. It's just a garden. And gardens are extremely complicated, right? You don't realize it, but your garden, it may not look like it has weeds, but it always has weeds. Yeah. There's always some low level of weeds that are in the pockets and you you throw mulch all over the place to try and prevent them, right? right? And you pack your garden with plants that you really like. So you got fruits, you know, you got your certain shrubs that you like, you got your flowers and you try and fill all that space, right? The idea is to fill it all with the good stuff and to prevent the weeds from overtaking. But, you know, every once in a while, a weed will pop up and the hope is that you can catch it before it becomes 50, before it becomes 100, because, you know, by the time it, it expands, it becomes unmanageable. And then right. at that time, you really just got to burn down the whole garden and start over. Right. Difficult um, to reverse. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> prebiotics and probiotics are, are just ways to manage those weeds and ways to increase or to plant certain types of plants that will prevent other weeds from coming in. So at Ask the Dentist, we always talk about feeding your good guys. Uh, how would that look? I mean, yeah. feeding the good guys, what does it do? What does it accomplish? Yeah. And then what about the bad guys? If you're feeding the good guys, aren't you feeding the bad guys? This is such an interesting topic. So <clears throat> one of the most obvious phenomenon is that if you, if you feed bacteria sugar, because all bacteria, they just love sugar. The weeds, they just happen to grow a lot faster because they're actually pretty small and invasive. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so just by feeding your garden sugar, those weeds will eventually overcome everything else because everything mm -hmm. else needs a little, a little more nourishment to survive. And in contrast, you can feed the garden nitrate. Okay. So the, there were a few papers that show that if you just feed prebiotic nitrate, 
insoluble nitrate in your diet, you can actually increase the levels of certain nitrate reducing bacteria. And these nitrate reducers produce compounds that actually help to fight the weeds. So this is very interesting interplay between the two where some anaerobic pathogens, they don't really reduce nitrate. They reduce other things to generate energy. And the commensal ones that prevent them from taking the space really like nitrate. The way that evolved is we don't really understand it, but we think it has to do a lot with diet and the way that humans have evolved to mm -hmm. we're supposed to eat certain types of foods, certain types of leafy greens. But now, obviously, with all the processed foods, we've completely mismanaged this. And a right. lot of people have oral dysbiosis because of right that. and it's not um, it's not just sugar it's like uh, crackers goldfish saltine yeah. crackers uh, oh, yeah. cereals breakfast cereals mm -hmm. so the more processed a food is the more likely that what well, not the more likely but the more readily the bacteria is able to consume it and that allows them to i love that analogy that we keep going back to there are always weeds in the garden you may not see them but they're in the soil and that's like the oral microbiome they're good and bad players but as long as everything is kind of well-balanced or symbiotic is, the, I guess, a good term, then everything goes well. But when the weeds take over, literally in the garden, if you just look at it from a physical perspective, there's no room for the good guys to grow and flourish. So it's all about what you feed them. Now, can you selectively feed the good guys and not benefit or feed the bad guys? That's a good question. I think by nature of competition, they all want to live in the same space. Right. So if you just imagine two different species uh, living on the surface of a tooth, they're they're competing for nutrients. So Streptococcus mutans versus Streptococcus gordonii. And in oral dysbiosis, let's say you're completely out of balance and you have a lot of Streptococcus mutans, then it's more likely for that to take the whatever nutrient it is and turn it into something that's useful for that microbe. But there are ways to shift the balance because these microbes like certain niches. So Streptococcus mutans it actually likes a really low pH. It likes acidified environments. So right. the ways that you can selectively feed things is actually to change that equation. So you just shift the pH, you make it a little higher, and all of a sudden strep mutans is really bad at metabolizing. It doesn't thrive in that kind of environment, whereas Streptococcus cordonii is really good at high pH environments. And so there are kind of ways to shift the balance and selectively feed certain microbes. But of course, it's really challenging if you don't know what's going on in your mouth. And I think that's the state of most people. They just don't, they don't realize that microbes are doing things <laughs> and affecting their mouth. The problem beyond food and diet, I mean, there are a lot of oral healthcare products that affect the pH of the mouth. And it's just a poorly designed product or it has no science behind it. You know, we're, we're kind of in a rut with oral healthcare products. We've been using the same thing before there was any evidence or knowledge of the oral microbiome and the how it works in the mouth. And so we're still using, I would say 80, 90% of the products out there are still based on that idea that we need to disinfect the mouth. And, and it's crazy to me because the incidence of disease hasn't changed over the mm -hmm. course of hundreds of years, right? right? Yeah. People are still getting periodontal disease ever since the incidence of processed foods. We actually have increased caries, right? but we're still using the same products we were using at that time. That makes no right. sense, right? Like, yeah. Well, that's, a lot. that's changing as we speak. Thank goodness. It'll be a slow change, but it's coming and it won't be from the big corporations. Although they're watching all these boutique brands very carefully and they snatch up the ones that are making good products. What about, okay. So we, we talked a little bit about feeding. Certainly if you have a garden, you can use, you know, the Monsanto product, you know, very strong. I mean, that's probably a bad example, but you can, there are weed killers, right? Yes. That would be weeding in the oral microbiome. 
how does that work? That's certainly not something you want to do every day. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the the basis of oral care products currently, because that doesn't allow the oral microbiome to bloom and, and do its thing, you know, help remineralization of teeth and fight off infections, take down the influenza virus. I mean, there's so many different examples of what the oral microbiome can do, is doing. So when would you weed? I mean, is that a protocol that dentists should be, I mean, I, I know the answer, but not all the details. Weeding is important, especially if you come in and you're, and the oral microbiome is dysbiotic and sick. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So how would Definitely. that, how does that look? When do you do this? And with what? It's <laughs> a good question. I think it depends what you have going on in your mouth, but just for instance, someone comes in, they've been kind of neglecting their oral hygiene routine and they have gum inflammation they don't realize their pockets maybe greater than four millimeters now. And they actually have periodontal disease, this mm-hmm. you know, defined characteristic periodontal disease. At that point, it's actually very difficult for you to now maintain your garden because the weeds have now created a new pocket for themselves to do stuff mm-hmm. where you can't actually manage it just by using string floss. Okay. At that point, you got to be weeded. You got to use a stronger product. There's some evidence of, of different types of antimicrobials that do work. So chlorhexidine is the one that's always been used, but we really don't like it because it's associated with hypertension because mm-hmm. it act, it, as most people are probably aware, antimicrobials actually don't just kill the, the microbes that you want to kill. They kill everything. Mm-hmm. And so in doing so, you're actually using chlorhexidine, you're actually killing the nitrate reducers that are really important for maintaining blood pressure. And so there's an association between chlorhexidine use and hypertension. Right. Chlorhexidine is a very strong prescription strength mouthwash rinse that a lot of dentists use after surgery or or for trying to reset the oral microbiome. Yeah. Yeah. So in other cases, it can be managed by some other broad antimicrobials. There is acetylpyridinium chloride uh, that you can be mm-hmm. found in some mouthwashes over the counter. Isn't that a um, pesticide? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're weeding. <laughs> we're weeding. So one of the easiest ones to use is probably just hydrogen peroxide. Uh, mm-hmm. Just diluted hydrogen peroxide is probably the most natural ingredient that you could mm-hmm. use because it's a really good oxidizer. It's right. really good at, at killing anaerobic bacteria, and anaerobic bacteria are the ones that drive periodontal disease. Right. They don't like oxygen. And oxygen. when you put hydrogen peroxide in the mouth, the byproduct is that, that bubbling, foaming, and that is oxygen. Tons of oxygen. No, right. And so it's great for weeding. And, and fortunately, it also it's not as effective at killing aerobes because mm-hmm. aerobes are capable of tolerating the, the levels of oxygen right? because uh, they live in aerobic environments. Yep. So that's probably a more selective weeder. But what's really interesting about the garden analogy is that using like Roundup, the, a general right. weeder that everyone's yeah, yeah. like, oh, yeah, like I don't want weeds in my garden, so I'm going to go use Roundup. But now yep. like 20 years later, you realize, well, Roundup actually gave you cancer. Yep. And Roundup did things that you didn't realize it was doing. And, right. and that's exactly what these antimicrobials are doing too. They do things yep. that you don't realize that right. are affecting the rest of your health, rest of your microbiome. And now we're trying to find things that don't do that, that, right. that are a lot more selective weeders. And that's what I like about the the Bristle test, the, the company that you co-founded, because not only do you establish what's going on microbially in the mouth and a very high res picture of what's going on, but then you also have that coaching and recommendations. And that's so helpful because a lot of dentists don't have that information until they get the testing. Even when they see the results of the testing, they don't know what the protocol is. Like, do you weed, feed, or seed? And in what combination do you do that? So that's a very helpful thing. I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show notes. 
if anyone's interested in, in doing that. I, I have talked to hundreds of people that have gone through that process and they think the test is cool. You just spit into something, send it off. Yeah. It looks good to them based on what they've heard and what they've heard from me. And But then when they get the coaching, they are literally blown away. I mean, they, are, they, they have learned more than they have in 20, 30 years of seeing their dentist. And that's the power of testing. But the recommendations are really what you need. So let's talk about, so we've talked about Weeding, we've talked about feeding. Let's talk about the concept of seeding. Yeah, yeah. So let's say your garden, there's maybe a diseased plant that was in your garden and now a bunch of weeds had, had killed this plant and now you've plucked out all the weeds, but there's an empty gap there. Right. You guess what's going to happen if you don't fill it? The weeds well, come back. Yep. The weeds are yeah. <laughs> going to come back in the next, right. um, the, the blink of an eye. So you got to fill it with something that you want to be there and that that's planting a seed, right? And in our case, the idea is to fill it with the bacteria that actually can help to prevent the weeds from coming back. So mm -hmm. I was taught this very interesting phenomenon recently. It's called the fruit circle or the fruit mm -hmm. guild. It's where you plant a tree, like your fruit tree. But if you just plant that tree, there's going to be weeds all over the place. And people mm -hmm. just like to fill it with mulch because they think, you know, let's just cover everything so nothing can grow. But there are weeds under there. You're going to get weeds under there. Mm -hmm. They just won't grow as quickly because the sun doesn't come through, but they're still there. But instead, what you can do is you can, in, instead of just filling with mulch, you actually plant lavender mm. or, or you plant other types of shrubs that actually help the, the peach tree grow right. and they prevent other types of pests from coming in and destroying your tree. Right. And that's exactly what it is. That's, that's yeah. what we try to do. It's we look at your microbiome and we say, you have these types of species, but you're missing this one thing that could be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And let's try and find a way to boost that. And depends on what the species is, you can feed it different types of prebiotics. So there's different types of uh, amino acids that can help you. So some, right. some microbes really like arginine, some microbes like nitrate, like we talked about, some microbes like if other types of prebiotics, there's fibers, there's, there's all types of different ingredients that, that are right. classically in unprocessed foods that people now lack because... Right. And minerals. Yeah. yeah, probably I had a vegetable garden at my previous home. We were growing fava beans, all sorts of different types of tomatoes and peppers. And those are the best I've ever had. And it was the only time that I used the little fungi packets. You would put them underneath the soil and that's yes. symbiosis. I mean, the roots would yes. see that and it was very beneficial. So that's the concept of the issue with the oral microbiome. It's so complicated and practitioners have difficulty with it. I'm sure researchers do as well mm -hmm. because it's so multifactorial, three-dimensional. So correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're seeding then there's a lot of feeding that has to go on, right? Yes. You can't just seed alone. You can't just feed alone. Right. You can't just weed alone. Yeah. And then, so how does at Bristol and, or how do you determine what combination of feeding, seeding, weeding to do? That would be what kind of probiotic do you add prebiotics? Do you add prebiotics first? Is there a sequence that you first want to do this, yeah. then this, then this, because if you get that out of sequence, then the weeds will never have a chance yeah. of being knocked down. So give me that in a nutshell. What is the decision-making process? Absolutely. So depending on the oral microbiome, so let's go back to the periodontal disease example. In that case, you would definitely have to weed first because the pocket is already occupied by all the weeds. So mm -hmm. you got to weed, then you, you got to seed and feed pretty much at the same time because there's nothing there anymore. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, you know, you're selectively giving the things that you've seeded an advantage compared to the to the things that you weeded and and that's the idea with like increasing the ph if we know that you have high strep mutans it's mm -hmm. like okay now we know what we'll do is we're gonna we're gonna actually 
we're going to feed and then we're going to reseed. Uh, mm-hmm. So in that case, we don't actually wipe everything out. We just right. we shift the balance a little bit. So we give you arginine or we give you xylitol plus uh, right. some other pH booster. Right, nitrates. And then, we, yep. and then we come in and we add more probiotics so that it'll take up the space, uh, take right. up more of the space that strep mutans is now leaving. There's many different ways to do this. I think the most traditional way that people have always thought about it is actually just, it's not just weeding, it's actually just blowing everything up and then reseeding and feeding. We really don't like that approach. One reason that I don't like that approach is because sometimes when you blow everything up, you don't know what's coming back. And it's really hard to feed mm-hmm. things that you don't know are there. If you use right. antimicrobials, if you burn down your whole garden and then you try and feed and seed all at the same time, well, you're going to get weird pockets of stuff and and you don't really know what's there. It's kind of a, forgive my language, but it's a crapshoot. Yep. Yep. But it's better than what we had before we knew all this, right? And it's going to be refined. So really, I guess the takeaway point here is that any decision that any practitioner makes or a patient, anyone that's listening, and they want to optimize their oral microbiome, you really need a baseline. You need to know yeah. what, and, and all those decisions, whether you weed feed or seed and what diet and what, what pre and probiotic that you're going to use, you need to know what's going on in your mouth. So testing is crucial before and during and after. So how often do you recommend, let's say someone, whether it's a practitioner guided or a reader listener, and, and again, they can buy this test directly. This can all be done at home and you get a great report that comes back and it's very easy to understand there are actionable items and suggestions that are given, but how often would you test? Let's say the person who's testing is very proactive yeah. and they're trying to make changes. I guess it depends on how they start off. I mean, are they healthy to begin yeah, with? It, it depends on yeah. the starting point. Usually we recommend three months for people who are starting off really poorly. So if you have microbial dysbiosis in the form of halitosis or thrush, right. cavities, yeah, cavities, gum disease, bleeding, any of that, ulcerations, uh, canker sores. Yep. Yep. Any weird manifestation in the mouth is right. usually in it's yeah. usually a, yeast a yeast infection, you know, yeah. a, a hairy tongue, a white tongue, yeah, right? Normal. Yep. It's become normalized because everyone's like, yeah, everyone gets cavities, right? But yeah. that's not you, right. you realize that's that's actually that's an infection. If you had a hole anywhere else in your body, you'd probably say, I got to go to the doctor. Like exactly, it's just getting worse. Right. But when it's in your mouth, you're like, oh yeah, right. that's just going to heal because right. It's my or right? bleeding after brushing and you spit out, you see blood. If you were brushing your arm and you saw blood, yeah. you would you would panic, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we recommend testing so that we can give you really good recommendations. And after, hopefully, if if you're taking those recommendations to heart and you're, you're really trying to, to do it, usually you see change within 60 to 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so a three-month nice. cadence of, of testing, and you'll know your progress because you've tested. Exactly. Uh, but if you don't really have issues, we recommend probably a six-month cadence because mm-hmm. things change. Your lifestyle changes. People get sick. People's diets change. A lot of things change over time, including mm-hmm. the oral microbiome. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like your routine dental checkup. You don't know what you can't see and you can't mm-hmm. see inside your mouth and mm-hmm. bristle allows you to do that. Right. I mean, you could have allergies all of a sudden. You've moved to a different area. You start mouth breathing light because you can't breathe through your nose and that's going to change your oral microbiome. Absolutely. pH levels will drop, the dryness or lack of saliva or the saliva concentrations are dropping. I mean, all of the, there's so many different ways that the oral microbiome can change because the mouth is open to the environment. You could move to Michigan and or to a dry environment. Does the body adjust? Does the oral microbiome adjust? Probably. But there are things that 
what if your diet changes? What all? I have a lot of listeners that are newly pregnant and their diet changes, and all of a sudden their caries rate goes up. And you know, there are all these myths about the babies robbing you of the mom of calcium, which is not true. But there are hormonal changes. It's a very complicated kind of paradigm of different things affecting everything. And and so, but we're getting there. The beauty of it is that you don't need a dentist. I, I shouldn't be saying that you do need a dentist, but a lot of people can't afford dentistry, but you can go out and get your, your testing and you get this protocol and you can make changes. I wouldn't recommend that you do it without a dentist, but at least there's information and knowledge there. Let's say you get a bad, you test, you get the results in a week or two, and it's a really you thought you were better off and you see that there are problems. You get this rating of you're very prone to getting cavities or gum disease, which means you're prone to getting Alzheimer's later in life. Those connections can be made, but at least then, you know, oh crap, I need to go see a dentist. That's good in itself. Uh, plus you get the recommendation. So it's wonderful that we have this testing now. And the oral microbiome was kind of discovered when? Late 1900s or early 2000, right? 2004? Uh, I would actually say probably earlier than that, one of the pioneers, actually, I, I would say the definition of the oral microbiome would just be microbes in the oral cavity. Right. And then that would be Anton van Leeuwenhoek, the person right. who- Oh, yeah, that's 1700s, microbes. yeah. 1700s. Right. One of the first experiments he did was he looked at someone's cavity and he said there were little worms in there. He actually saw lactobacilli inside right. of a cavity and he said, right. there's worms that cause cavities and that's where it came from. Everyone right. was like, oh my gosh, worms cause cavities. Like I right. don't want these worms. Right. That's probably the discovery of the oral microbiome, but not right. canonically yeah. as like a right. biome or right. just like a, there's something that's infecting your mouth. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that was a discovery of germ theory, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That was around, that's the same time. It's when yeah. um, the swan neck experiment where- yes. uh, filled it with nothing and right. there were no no flies. And right. I'm just amazed that it's taken us this long to identify it, test it, quantify it, and now be able to make really qualified recommendations based on what I learned in dental school 35 years, 40 years ago. There wasn't much information. It was just kind of like disinfect, disinfect, fill, clean, drill, yeah. all of that, and uh, scrape. You know, when it comes to gum disease, and it's so much more sophisticated now. Although not all of dentistry is on board yet, because you know the older dentists, unless they're getting continuing education credits, which they're supposed to, and if they're focusing on the oral microbiome, they would know this. And and so, but that's the great thing about this test. And again, I'll put a link in so that we can get to that test. So. Let's talk about pro and prebiotics specifically. Yeah. And that's kind of where we wanted to go when we when we first spoke. I think people, even practitioners, are a little confused. You, you don't just take a whole bunch of pro and prebiotics and, and call it a day, right? Mm -hmm. So what are your recommendations? If it's someone at home that's going to go see their dentist and their dentist maybe doesn't have a protocol, what yeah. would you recommend they ask? Maybe there's something they can do at home. Obviously, testing would be yeah. a good thing. Where Where would you have people start? So I would probably ask my dentist first, do I have any visible signs of, of disease, mm -hmm. right? Because, mm -hmm. well, our, our test is highly accurate. There are ways, there are physical manifestations that we can't tell, right? Yes. So you could have a sore somewhere that is mm -hmm. deep in the back and it's extremely small and it's the start of something pretty mm -hmm. bad and mm -hmm. we would have a difficult time catching that. Right. I would start there. And then I would say, hopefully if you have, an informed provider, you can ask them, hey, do you think that there's any probiotics that can help me that could help with managing my disease or or improving symptoms of my disease? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of them actually exist today. 
So there's been a lot of research on different types of microbial species that are beneficial for, for certain things. For example, going back to periodontal disease, there's actually been a lot of clinical studies now that have shown the benefit of this one species called Lactobacillus ruteri or ruteri as an adjunctive therapy for people with uh, bleeding gums. And it's interesting because Lactobacillus ruteri doesn't colonize the mouth. It's not normally in the mouth. Right. And the way that it works is actually a little strange in that it produces these compounds called bacteriosins. And, mm-hmm. and the one in the case of Lactobacillus ruteri is called ruterin, named after the species. And ruterin can kill certain types of pathogenic species. We don't mm-hmm. really know how it does the killing, but it, mm-hmm. it can do it. And for some reason, it's also very selective. <laughs> this this antimicrobial compound can kill certain species that mm-hmm. can drive gum disease, and it's basically a specific de-weeder. And it is technically a probiotic, but not in the form that we normally think of, where probiotics, right. you know, they grow in the environment, and, and they're like the lavender that surrounds your peach tree. So in this case, this probiotic is actually very good at weeding. I mean, that's the beauty of the oral microbiome, right? When it's working well, it's very specific yeah. in its pruning and weeding, yeah. and it even feeds itself and helps select and and create that optimal ratio of bugs, you know, that population of all the bugs to each other. Uh, and prone prebiotics definitely do help in that regard. Something I wanted to say, prompted by what you said just at the beginning of this segment, the thing I like about the bristle test or, you know, testing for the oral microbiome is often you mentioned, you know, go see your provider, see if there's any disease, but often I would say that the test is able to predict and see the disease before we start seeing the delayed response to that disease, which is deep pocketing, bleeding gums, gum recession, cavities, the actual cavity itself. And that's the wonderful thing about testing. And again, the medical world has this, there are a lot of tests that, for example, you could test for insulin sensitivity with an A1C test. And it's great because gum disease is very difficult to cure. We literally just arrest the disease. A lot of damage is done, bone resorption, gum recession, and during the disease. And you can't really, it's hard to fix that, but you can arrest the disease. So why not test now, even if you think you're healthy or young, whatever, you've always had good checkups at the dentist, test now and find out treat any diseases in their prodomal, their early pre-symptom awareness phase. And, and to me, that's so powerful, especially as a practitioner, I would, I would want all of my patients to be tested yearly because if I can pick that up quickly and see that they're headed down the road where the oral microbiome is getting disorganized and working its way towards a dysbiotic kind of uh, situation, then we can step in and the results are much better. They're also cheaper and they yes. take less time and they're less painful. Yes. My gosh. Yes. If, yep. if someone had just told me 15 or 20 years ago that the prevention route would be much less painful, I would have yep. done that every yep. time. Yep. So many fillings that were completely unnecessary. If I had just known exactly. you've got these microbes in there, like right. you can, you can change that by right weeding, seeding, and feeding. It. Yeah, right. Anyway, <laughs> well, well, let's end it there. That's a great place to end. I think this conversation was nice because it was a kind of a general overview of the oral microbiome and how it should be looked at and and treated and measured. And I'm just so excited that the bristle test has really rocked my world. And I'm hoping that it, it really does that for other dentists because it's going to change how we practice and we'll be better at it. We'll be, we'll be heroes. I mean, all yeah. dentists typically 
want to be a hero to their patients. Yeah. They really do. That sounds stupid, right? No, but, but it's, it's true. Totally true. Yeah. I, 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 I and, feel that way too. It's when we get a customer that comes through and it's like, oh my God, like mm -hmm. this was eye-opening and I did right. this for 60 days and I feel right. so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. Or I went to a medical provider to get this thing because your test told me this. Right. Now I'm this much better. I'm like, there's no feeling, there's no other feeling like it. It's like you actually yeah. help somebody do something. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I'm so excited and more is coming and, and maybe next month when we talk again about the oral microbiome, you just said something that reminded me of this. Maybe we could talk about specific examples yeah. of people that did get tested and they went to go see their medical doctor medical because of yeah. a oral systemic type of connected yeah. disease or, or connection there. That's exciting. And I, I know we've talked about some of them. Yes. I think there was one example of intestinal polyps and, and mm -hmm. all that. So, and that's another part of the oral microbiome is that the oral microbiome is a driver with so many other systemic diseases, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, insulin, uh, sensitivity, yeah, cancer, even cancer, certain cancers. Yeah. So let's talk about that next time. And and yeah. I think over the next few episodes, we'll be able to connect all of this for everyone. And again, it all goes back to testing, which I again am so excited about. I'm I'm so glad to yeah. be full disclosure. I am I am an advisor for Bristol, but you know I turn down a lot of advisorships and agreements like that because I just don't. Again, I don't get too excited these days. I just got excited about a new flosser. We talked about it earlier. I'm Instagramming on that now. I'm calling it a game changer. But I don't like to use that term. I really do like this new flosser. I'll put a link in the show notes in case you haven't seen it already on Instagram. But anyway, testing oral microbiome and the availability to you and be able to discuss these things with you is absolutely just I'll say it again, game changer. <laughs> Thank you so much for all the information. And if you're not able to have this conversation with your dentist, then I think it's time to seek someone else out. We have a directory of functionally minded dentists. Go to askthedentist.com slash directory. All these links will be in the show notes. We write a lot about, we've blogged a lot about bristle, the test, uh, oral microbiome in general. We go back about five, seven years I interviewed the author of a book on the oral microbiome. One of, I think it's the first book on the oral microbiome. I think her name is uh, Cass Nelson Dooley. To me, that was exciting back then. I get goosebumps just thinking about that interview. Uh, I, I would, I'll put a uh, link to that. It was just fun to envision what I've been doing incorrectly for so long, although I wasn't recommending a lot of oral care products. I knew that there was something more to it, but I'll put a lot of links in the show notes that, Hopefully we'll get you excited. This should excite everyone, whether you're a practitioner or a patient, this will lead to solutions and, and benefit overall health benefits to everyone. All you have to do is understand how the oral microbiome works. So hopefully today's conversation helped a little bit. What's your favorite? Let me ask you one question. What is your favorite way to feed? If you were to walk over to your refrigerator now or to your cupboard, yeah. I mean, is there any one food that when you're eating it, you're going, oh, this is good for my bugs. <laughs> Feeding your good guys, what would that be? Feeding my good guys would be, well, for me, I don't have any, I don't have gum disease. And so uh, having high sulfur foods is, is right. okay. And, yep. and I, I really like garlicky broccoli. Oh yeah. That's like my go-to and that's right. really high nitrate. And prebiotic. I mean, that's a prebiotic fiber. Very prebiotic. Yeah. Uh, broccoli or broccolini? Just broccoli. curious. What kind of butter? I'm good at broccoli. Yeah. I, I prefer the I prefer the florets rather than the exactly the part totally I agree broccoli. although there's probably more fiber in the oh, there's way the more fiber in broccoli yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 
No, I, I agree with you. Salted, little sea salt, some goat butter with garlic in it. Put it in the oven, bake it at 450. That's usually, we do that first and then we prepare our meal and then out comes the broccoli with the protein. Wonderful way to go. I agree. I also drop a little lemon, uh, put a little lemon on the broccoli because I like That's it. That's a good idea. It's like a sour garlic thing. Yeah, gives it a little zing. Anyway, David, as usual, fascinating. Thank you for all the work that you do. I know you're on this every day and you're doing research and writing studies and and I can just tell by speaking with you how excited you get about the oral microbiome because you understand that there's a lot more to learn about the microbiome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always, but, always yeah. more to learn. But yeah. thanks to Bristol. Thanks for the work you do. We're on our way. So thank you again. We'll talk again soon and we'll talk about other things. There's so much, maybe that oral systemic connection and how the oral microbiome fits absolutely. into that. That's a big topic, but I think that would be uh, great to enact behavioral change in people. When they hear about the connection about one little bug in the mouth and how it relates to Alzheimer's or heart disease, I think that would get people to start testing and going to see their dentist on a regular basis. So anyway, thanks for your time. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Mark. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.